0: TED Audio Collective. Uber, Amazon, Airbnb. These are all household names for so many of us. Online marketplaces that have made our lives so much easier. And there's a reason they've grown to be so big. Because we love what they have to offer. We've all been craving so many of the conveniences that disrupt the old ways of doing things. But people are also concerned about how these new models affect our mom-and-pop corner bookstore, our Dial 7 New York livery service, our medallion taxis, and policymakers aren't sure how to regulate this kind of activity. But does this disruption have to be so disruptive? I'm Madhupa Akinola, and this is TED Business. Today, we're going to hear from Amane Danuni. He's a partner at the Boston Consulting Group, and he specializes in technological transformation. He was really inspired by what he saw in Malaysia, Indonesia, and Africa, online marketplaces that offer a new vision for what's possible when you incorporate local communities into the disruption process. Now, I'm keeping this episode short because we're preparing for the next season, which means I won't be back for a lesson. But this talk is chock full of insight. So let's hear from Imane after a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing.
1: Hey, Ted Business listeners, we're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace.
2: Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: In February 2013, my wife and I moved to Singapore. Exactly at the same time, Uber has announced it started operations in the country. Now, my wife and I agree on a lot of things, but using Uber was definitely not one of them. While I was excited about the technology and how maybe we don't need to own cars anymore, she felt that every Uber car is here to steal jobs from taxi drivers. And Sarah was not the only one as the Ubers, Airbnbs and Amazons of the world, what we call online marketplaces, as they started expanding their presence. We have heard, all of us, countless policymakers, worried about how to deal with these new risks of job destruction, lower wages and and tax leakage. We've also heard company leaders worried about aggressive competition from global platforms eating up their local businesses. And on the rational level, Of course I understand. After all, this is basic supply and demand economics. If in any market you dramatically increase supply, you should expect prices, profitability, and growth to go down for existing players. But in my personal experience, I've also seen the other side of the story, where online marketplaces like Gojek in Indonesia or Jumia in Africa have helped their business ecosystems and the communities around them. The positive side I have seen demonstrated itself in a woman, a taxi driver in Egypt that now had the opportunity to work without the harassment she faced in the taxi business. It demonstrated itself through a village in Kenya that got an economic boost because the nearby beautiful but completely unknown lake is now becoming a national ecotourism spot. Online marketplaces will continue to grow. And they will transform the way we shop, the way we travel, and the way we transact with each other. So we really need to understand where is the truth between those two stories. Should we expect more of the bright side or more of the dark and worrying side? And is there a way to get the first without getting the second? I believe there is. As a strategy consultant, I study businesses for a living. And as a mathematician at heart, I couldn't live with something and its opposite being equally true. So um, I went back to fundamentals and I asked the question, what do online marketplaces really do? What do they do? Well, at their core, they're doing something very simple. They match sellers and buyers. That's it. For drivers and passengers, you get Uber, Grab in Southeast Asia, or Didi in China. For matching merchants and consumers, you get Amazon, Alibaba, or Jumia in Africa. And for housing, you get Airbnb. For fundraising, you get Kickstarter. The list goes on. What all these examples have in common is that they transition this basic functionality of matching sellers and buyers from the physical world to the digital world. And by doing so, they can find better matches, do it faster, and ultimately unlock more value for everyone. In fact, online marketplaces' core benefit is that they get us more from the same amount of effort. For example, if you're a taxi driver in San Francisco and you decide to work 10 hours per day, then you're actually having a paying passenger in your car for four hours out of the 10. If you take the same car and put it on a platform like Uber, you can have paid passengers for an additional one and a half hours. This is the same car becoming 40 percent more productive. And the same has been proven true for other online marketplaces. By design, they create more value for the economy. Now, we need to figure out who gets this additional value. You can give it to the drivers, more passengers, more income. You can give it to consumers if you reduce prices, or you can decide that the platform gets to keep all of it. What usually happens is that all three of them would somehow split it. But what about the rest of us? We can also be impacted without being on either sides of this business. If my neighbor decides to rent his apartment on Airbnb and we have more people coming in and out of the building, more noise than usual, then I'm getting an unpleasant side effect of this productivity magic. This is what economists would call a negative externality. The negative externality of Uber cars becoming more productive is taxi drivers seeing the value of their license dropped in New York, for example. This is the dark side. And this is what sparks street demonstrations and sometimes, sometimes even violence. I profoundly believe this is avoidable. And it became clearer to me the more I have spent time in emerging markets. In fact, during my time in Singapore, I spent half of any given week traveling in the region, between Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia. And I became a user, actually more of a fan, of online marketplaces that were not that well-known back then. But some of them made interesting strategic trade-offs that dramatically reduced their side effects, their externalities. Take... Gojek, for example, they're basically Uber for motorbikes. They are one of the most liked online marketplaces in Indonesia. And this has a lot to do with the role they chose to play. Instead of picking a fight with every other transportation option out there, they choose to gradually integrate them within their own platform so that without leaving the Gojek app, you can check the public transportation schedule and choose to take a bus for a long distance, then maybe a motorbike or a traditional taxi that you can order and pay for from within the same app. If you look at Gojek today, nine out of 10 previous motor taxi drivers believe their quality of life has improved after joining the platform. And nine out of 10 consumers, nine out of 10 believe that Gojek has a positive impact on society in general. Now, this level of trust is what allowed Gojek to grow into what is today a super online marketplace for everything from food to grocery, even massages and laundry pickups. It all came from a deliberate trade off to be an orchestrator of a bigger ecosystem where others also have their role to play instead of a single winner, a hero that takes for himself, what would, at the end, be a smaller pie? Another interesting example is Jumia. Jumia is the equivalent of Amazon in Africa. But they don't generate the same level of fear in the small business community. And one of the reasons for that is because they have decided to actively invest in the African entrepreneurs to grow them into the digital age. Now, keep in mind, Jumia is operating in countries with some of the lowest digital literacy and digital connectivity scores in the world. Now, they could have dealt with that the usual way through lobbying for reforms, and they probably do that. But they have also built Jumia University, an e-learning platform where merchants can come and learn basic digital and business skills. We have studied online marketplaces in Africa last year. And during that study, we have met one of Jumia's merchants. His name is Jomo. He was fired from his job in 2014. And at that time, he decided he wanted to become his own boss. He wanted to be independent. He also wanted to never be fired again. Um, So at that time, Jomo had no clue what a business is. So he needed to go through a series of trainings to learn how to select products, how to price them, and how to promote them online. Today, Jomo has a 10-employee online business. And as of a few months ago, he just opened his very first brick-and-mortar shop in the suburbs of Nairobi. Now, through its university, Jumia has the potential of helping a huge number of Jomos. And we have estimated that together with other online marketplaces in the continent, they can generate 3 million additional jobs by 2025. And they would do that either directly or through their impact on the wider community. And sometimes taking that wider impact into consideration or forgetting about it can make or break a platform. To illustrate that, let's go back to Singapore. So when we decided with my wife to leave the country last year, Uber decided to do the same. At the same time, again, we became to. We started to see that pattern, but maybe it's a coincidence. Uh, In in reality, Uber lost the ride-hailing battle to a Malaysian-born startup called Grab. Now, interestingly, my wife didn't have the same level of concerns with Grab because when Grab started, it had a different name. It was called MyTaxi. And as the name suggests, it started as a platform for taxis. So when Grab started expanding the driver pool beyond taxis, it was seen as gradual and and reasonable. They were also very careful while doing so. They thought of what kind of social safety net they should bring to all drivers. So they put in place special insurance packages and even financial education programs. Now, compare that with what happened in London, in New York, in Paris where taxi drivers didn't feel that the platforms understood they had to pay 200,000 euros for their license, and mostly in loans. When you don't take that kind of social, environmental information into account, you get strong reactions. I'm not trying to argue that the trade-offs by either Grab or Jumia or Gojek are risk-free. Did they slow down growth at some point? Temporarily? Maybe. But look at them today. Gojek is worth $10 billion. Jumia is one of only three unicorns in the whole of Africa. And Grab, well, they pushed out Uber out of the whole region of Southeast Asia. And I also think these trade-offs have nothing specific to emerging markets. Amazon or Uber or others can learn from them and adapt them to their own realities. In the long run, this doesn't need to be a zero-sum game. In the long run, and, and this is maybe the Asian side of me speaking, it pays to be patient. It pays to reconsider your goal and your priorities in the light of a much bigger equation that includes you and your users, of course, but also it includes Regulators, policymakers, your communities, and I would argue, above all, includes the very businesses you are meant to disrupt. Thank you.
0: Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all in one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps. slash TedBusiness.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My social battery is a little tapped out, I have to admit, because I've had a really crazy period of travel and a lot of socializing over these past few weekends. And I know, even as a really social creature, that it can be easy to ignore our social battery and spread ourselves too thin. Maybe you, like me, thrive around people, or maybe you need a little bit more alone time. Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. I have benefited from therapy my entire adult life. I'm a huge evangelist for it. I feel like everybody should be in therapy because it's so important to know ourselves better in order to strengthen our relationships and to be able to function in a modern world that feels really precarious sometimes. So if you are thinking about starting therapy, why don't you give BetterHelp a try? It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible for our busy schedules. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. It'll match you with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TEDBusiness today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel pcom TEDBusiness.
0: That's it for today. Our producer is Kim Naderfain Peterza. Dan DeZula is our mixer. And special thanks to Michelle Quint, Ban Ban Chang, Anna Phelan, and Colin Helms. And as always, you can email us at business at Ted.com to say hello, let us know what you're thinking, and tell us anything you'd like to hear on future episodes. I'm Madupa Akinola.